Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. Welcome back to these talks about poema. Strange word. It's a Greek word that comes from a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word handiwork is the Greek word poema. Five letters in the Greek language, P-O-E-M-A in English. And we have decided to do a course called the Poema Course where we have designed it ourselves, but it's based on the Bible. It's not just for Christians, because anyone can use these principles, but we're getting to the stage now where we're looking at the letter M and A, where it does become Christian, if you like, because the first three sessions were the passions God has put in us, the opportunities we have and the experiences we have. Those are generic to everybody, but we're now talking about our makeup and our anointing. So let's talk about our makeup. M stands for your makeup. And this is talking about the way God has wired you and designed you. We have said in previous talks that Psalm 139 talks about God putting us together, weaving us and knitting us together and planning us before we were even made and writing a book of all his plans for us. And your makeup is the way that God has wired you. Now, before you give your life to God, that wiring still exists. And we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that lists seven aspects of a person's makeup. It's uh, the seven gifts are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership and mercy. And those sound like religious or Christian words, but actually they are motivations that are in everybody. And everybody has some of these seven and a mixture of these seven. And so I'm going to just go through the seven and describe them to you. And then we're going to look at the context in the passage in Romans 12. But prophecy is the first one. And this speaks of you may think of the Old Testament prophets who were fiery speakers who challenged people to do right and wrong. These are people who have a strong sense of justice, of right and wrong, and they have a, a nose to sniff out hypocrisy. <laughs> you may have thought of these people um, maybe like a lawyer. If you watch a, a TV show where there is a lawyer and he's cross-examining someone or he's speaking to the jury um, and he's passionately arguing for justice, for right and wrong, or, or, or checking somebody's statements to say, is that really true? These people are able to see right and wrong very clearly. They have an inbuilt sense of, of justice, but also they're willing to go against popular opinion and against the crowd to fight for justice. Now, this is a, a characteristic that God has put within us. Jesus had all seven of these, and Jesus had this. He went into the temple when they were selling and, and doing business in God's house, and he fought for justice. But some people have this as their primary motivation in life. Now, this can be very helpful because it will enable you to convince other people to fight for what is right. Um, but it can have negative connotations as well. You could be seen as arrogant, as annoying, as proud. 
You maybe have blind spots where you see other people's sin, but you don't see your own. And so it is a powerful um, characteristic, but it has some negative side effects as well. And you just need to watch out for those. In a team environment, let's just say you're in a team trying to achieve a task. This person is very helpful because they keep us honest and they keep us on track with what are our main core values that this team was set up based around. So you may be in a team where the values are, we need to protect honesty or, or promote a company logo or whatever your team is. These people say, what are our values and how are we going to do it? And they keep us on track. And they are also willing to speak against popular opinion. Sometimes in a team, there is a way of thinking and these people will challenge that and say, but what about a different way? Is that one of your primary gifts? The next one is serving. Mentioned in Romans 12, serving. These people are amazing because they get the work done behind the scenes, often at great cost to themselves, and they don't need recognition. They don't need glory. They just work and work and work. And if ever a team is going to achieve anything, it's probably a huge um, part of the credit must go to the people who are serving because they have this motivation to serve. You will see them doing jobs like um, nursing and teaching and just the jobs that we all need so, so much, but they don't require a whole lot of credit or, or affirmation, or maybe even they're willing to work for low pay. They are amazing people and serving may be your gift. It, the Bible talks about it as, as such a wonderful thing. It, it's such an important gift. And if you have serving as your gift, I just pray that you are recognized. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about those parts of our body that others may think are less important. We give more honor to and we say they are, they are important and valuable. And serving is one of those and I can honestly say in my own life, the people who deserve the most credit are not always the ones with high profile. They are the ones who serve and get the job done. Thank you if you are a servant because it's wonderful. Jesus was called the servant king and he served. He laid down his life and he was willing to serve. He put a, a towel over his arm and he washed his disciples' feet at, at, at the Last Supper. And that is the servant heart of God. So serving may be yours. The third one is teaching. These are the people who are detail oriented. They are technical. They love to research. They love to understand all the elements and the nitty gritty of a, of a topic. They often are called the experts in a particular field. And sometimes they are introverted, although not always, but sometimes they will just spend a lot of time researching. Uh, sometimes they are extroverted, but they are also able to help others understand what they then understand. And we need those. In a team environment, you need the person who's the technical expert who can help you with the fine details of understanding what you are supposed to be doing. In a job, we need those people. Um, they are so important. The, the people who are technical and study and understand and and go deeper than most people go. Some people just want to surface knowledge. These people will go in depth. And as I say, they can then guide others through. This is a motivation that you may have, and it may have helped you in 
your job uh, becoming technical in a certain area, maybe it's um, IT or, or some area of technical expertise, we need these people. And if this is your motivation, it's very helpful to know this. The only problem is sometimes you are weak on interpersonal relationships and you sometimes put your knowledge and your theory above people and that can be something to watch out for. So that's the third one. The fourth one is encouraging. These are the people who are people people. They love others. They are able to relate to others. When they meet a new person, they can quickly form bonds and there is some common ground between them and other people. But the main thing is they boost the mood. They are encouragers. Encourage means to put courage into someone. When you meet a person who has this gift, you feel better. You feel motivated. You feel, I can do this. You feel lifted. If they're in a group or in a team environment, they're the people who keep the team morale and the team spirit going. We need these people so much. In a team, if a new person joins, it's the encourager who brings them in and integrates them. They are able to solve problems between other people by helping people get along relational. In jobs, they're often in marketing or people facing jobs. Uh, very, very helpful, very useful. The only problem is sometimes they put relationships and trying to get on with people above principle. And so they may be willing to overlook error and wrong, and they may be hypocritical because some people may say they're different people with different circumstances. And so there is a need to just watch out for that. But encouraging is a gift that we cannot do without. And it may be your primary motivation. The next one is giving. And these are the people who are generous, but also talented with money and resources. They have ability to make money and manage money for themselves, but they are so generous with it. And they're good at finding where to give their money and how to give it to the best effect. They can be very generous people, but they often don't want credit or they don't want their name to be publicized. They just want to give. And if you have this gift, it is vital. In a team, you can't do anything without resources. And especially in church ministry, we need these people to help us. All of us are supposed to be giving, but these people give much more than they are required to give. Leadership is the second last one, sometimes translated administration, leadership and administration. And in a team, this is the person who says, team, this is where we're aiming for. They're able to describe or paint a picture of the final goal, the vision of where we're trying to get to. Then they say, these are the steps of how we're going to get there. And then they say, you do this, you do this, you do this. So it's a very complicated but amazingly useful gift, leadership. The people who can see where we need to get to, how we're going to get there, and can allocate tasks to people to get us there. Very, very useful, very, very helpful. You may say, I've never led things, but I can see that I'm good at organizing and I can see the end goal of where we need to get to and I can see how we're going to get there, but I've never led things before. Sometimes People with this gift of leadership are very good followers because they understand the principle of following someone who is leading. And so they may not be 
obvious leaders, but they have these gifts and these abilities and we need them. In a team, if you don't have a leader, you will go off track. You will become ineffective very, very quickly. These people can help us get there. The only problem is sometimes they ride roughshod over people's feelings because they are goal orientated and they say, we need to get to the goal and I don't really care if you're not feeling happy today. And so there is a danger that leaders can be too bossy and they can crush people. So we just need to watch out for that. But if you have this gift, you may be in administration. You may have used your gifts to be good at organizing or administrating various things. Um, you can put things in order. There are many, many ways that this can be used. And in church work, what's interesting is whatever project you're trying to do, it may be the children's area of ministry. It may be an evangelistic project or campaign or something. It may be just running a Sunday service. You need all of these types of gifts in every area of ministry. You need the prophetic person who will keep us true to our values. You need the servants who will help with the work. You need the teachers and the technical people who will keep us online with what are the details we need. You need the encouragers who keep the team morale going. You need the givers who resource us. And you need leaders and administrators in every area of ministry. So this is not just the top leaders of the whole organization. In every project, you need these people. And then the last gift, the seventh one is mercy. And this, another word for this would be empathy or care or concern. These are the people who feel other people's pain and other people's needs. If you're in a group or a team, they're the ones who will see so-and-so is not doing well today. And they will go to them and try and help them. They will understand and, and sense their pain and want to help fix that problem. And we need them. Without them, you can ride roughshod over people and you don't even realize you're doing it. But the mercy person speaks up and says, so-and-so needs help. And they're willing to help. And these people will either be campaigners for social justice or they will be people in roles where they're just caring for the needy, helping people. Um, sometimes you have a mixture of these gifts. So you may have mercy as a high on your gift mix, but you also have leadership. And so you may be an administrator in an organization that is caring for hurting people. And you're not actually touching their lives, but because you're in a, an organization that is touching their lives, you feel like you achieving what you're supposed to do. So these are the seven gifts of our makeup. Let me just read you the passage in Romans chapter 12. It says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He says, don't think you're better than anyone else. Don't think yours, your gift is the only gift. Realize you're one of a body. The next verse says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We need to recognize and value each other's gifts and do our part, but value their part as well. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Use them. This poem, of course, is about using the gifts, finding how you're made and using them. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In proportion to our faith speaks to that maturity level, that experience level that we've mentioned in the past. So you may have these gifts, but you may still be learning and developing in them. So we need to realize there is a process. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy. If it's ministry or serving, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts or encourages in exhortation, he who gives with liberality or generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. He says, use your gift, use it to the full in proportion to your faith, realizing you're part of a body. And then he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. And so we see that as the body in a church works together, there is love, there is the ability to forgive and, and help each other, and the whole body works together in a beautiful way. What is your makeup? Do the test on our website, on our poema.page website and you will find out what your makeup is and it will lead you into finding what God has called you to do. The next one is the last one, anointing. A stands for anointing. Now, anointing is a Bible word. In the Old Testament, when a king became a king, he would be anointed with oil and it was a sign of God's power coming on him. Priests were also anointed in their various duties that they performed in the temple. And so priests and kings in the Old Testament were anointed with God's Holy Spirit, with his power. Anointed means covered in oil and given God's power. And I want to say to you that you are, if you are a Christian, you are anointed. The Bible says you have an anointing that comes from God. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people in the room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. The Bible speaks of kings and priests in the Old Testament as a certain special group of people. But in the New Testament, Revelation 1 verse 6 says, we are all kings and priests. Peter says, we are a royal priesthood, kings and priests. We are all anointed. And Ephesians 4 says, God has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the gifted leaders who help us find our gift and our place in the body of Christ. But then listen to what it says, verse 12. Their job is the equipping of the saints. That means the equipping of all of us. For what? For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Who does the ministry in the Bible? It's not the important leaders. The leaders equip the rest of us to do ministry. And so when we speak of anointing, what we're saying is you are a minister. We mustn't think the minister does the ministry and I'm just the spectator. You are anointed. And all of these gifts, when you give them to God, your poema, he anoints it and he uses it for glory. So I've got a few important points. The first is the Bible speaks about a, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing and then gifts are given. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it lists the nine gifts of the Spirit. There are three categories of gifts. 
There are the speaking gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Those are three of the nine gifts, but they're in one category, the speaking gifts, which are giving messages to people. There are the power gifts, faith, healing, and miracles. These are the gifts of power where we see people healed or miracles happen. And then there are the knowledge gifts, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And those nine gifts are given to Christians when they're filled with the Holy Spirit to add power to your passion, your opportunities, your experiences, and your makeup. And they augment and help you do what God has called you to do even better. So the first point about anointing is get filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? You simply ask him. In Luke 11, Jesus said, let me read it to you. In Luke 11 and verse 11, he says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No, we answer, of course not. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No, of course not. No father would give his son something bad. Verse 13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Just ask for more of his Holy Spirit and ask again and again and keep being filled and keep using these Holy Spirit gifts. And we have a test on our poema dot page that you can find out what your Holy Spirit anointing gifts are. But then I want to make a second important point, and that is that you are anointed for ministry within the church, but also without the church. You know, there are, let's just say, 112 hours a week when you are awake. Some people sleep less or more than others, but it's roughly 112 hours a week when you are awake. And of those, if you are a churchgoer or a Christian, you might spend four or five or six hours in church meetings, which leaves 106 hours a week when you are supposed to be ministering. You are anointed. You are a king. You are a priest. You have been equipped for the works of the ministry. And it's not just in church. So let me talk about church first of all. There are so many ministries in church and we've got a questionnaire again on our, on our site that will help you find out the ministries in the church that you could be doing. And it's so helpful. There is children's ministry, worship ministry, administration. Um, there are so many. Leadership, evangelism, all these different ministries. And those are wonderful and important. And I encourage you to look at our questionnaire on our site and work out what your ministries in the church are based on your passions, opportunities, experiences, makeup, and all these different things that really will help you. Within the church, for those four or five or six hours a week, small group meetings, large meetings, preaching, all the technical side of ministry, all of that is covered and it's so helpful and exciting. And we love church and we love church meetings. But think about it, six hours versus 106 hours. There are 106 hours a week when you and I are supposed to be busy ministering for God. You say, but I thought that ministry was just what an, an ordained person did on a Sunday up the front of the church. No, ministry is what we all do all the time in our family lives, in our social time, in our relaxing time, in our workplace, in our sports, 
in, in our study, in every place of our lives, we are supposed to be ministering. You say, really, Greg? Have you got some verses to back that up? Let me read you a couple of these. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, Paul is speaking to all the Christians in Corinth. Therefore, you Christians, therefore, all of us, beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says to the normal Christians, you are doing the work of the Lord. And he says, always abound in the work of the Lord. What about this verse? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Friend, your poem and those passions and abilities and makeup and all those things God has put within you are supposed to be giving glory to God in your job, in your sports, in your recreation time. We are supposed to be using them for God's glory. Now, for most of us, that will mean doing a good job at our workplace and just being available to talk to people about God when they need it, as well as being kind and honest and having integrity and not speaking badly about other people and not sinning in a way that dishonors God. But be ready to witness to people, to pray for healing, to, to share and that comes with the opportunities that God opens for you. And I want to encourage you to say, God, here I am. You've given me all these experiences. You put all these gifts within me. Use me for your glory. Friend, take the poema test. Learn how God has anointed you and gifted you and put you together. And then put yourself in God's hands. He has great plans for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.